Good morning, everyone. Let's stand and sing together. things that we got out of the scripture when Pastor Lynch sent us the things is um, obviously God teaching his commandments in the way we should go. So this next song talks about um, what we learn from God's teaching. So we did some research, picked out some scripture verses that go with the, um, that go with what the songwriter wrote in the chorus of this verse. So Read the scriptures in context, and um, this is a new song for us too, but it's a really good words. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. in my mind that say I'm not enough Every single lie that tells me I can never measure up I am more than just the sum of every high and I need to know. Oh, 
church this morning. If you would like to open your bulletins and if you'd like to read the scripture with me, it's from Psalm 135 verses 1 and 5. And let's read that together. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise him, O servants of the Lord. For I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods. If you'd like to bow with me, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are great. We thank you that you are more powerful than anything in the universe, that the universe exists because you've spoken into being, that we exist because you uphold us and sustain us, and that we have salvation from our sins entirely because you made a way for that. We thank you that we can come and worship you this morning. We ask that you would guide us in our worship of you, that it would be pleasing to you, we thank you that we can sing praises to you, that we can hear from your word and learn from it, and that we can talk to you, we can pray to you, and uh, put our requests before you. We thank you for all those good things that you allow us to do. In Jesus' name we give thanks. Amen. Scripture this morning can be found in Psalm 119, verses 65 to 72. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to the book of Psalms, chapter 119, verses 65 to 72. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good discernment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The arrogant have forged a lie against me. With all my heart, I will observe your precepts. Their heart is covered with fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Amen. Pastor.
Thanks, Brad. Let's uh, just bow on a quick word of prayer and ask God to guide us as we look into this passage of Scripture. Lord God, your word to us is there in front of us. It's always true. It's always relevant. It's always powerful. And uh, as we just open up these few verses here this, this morning, I, I ask that you would guide our thoughts. Open our hearts and, and our minds to what it is that you are saying to us here through this passage. And help me, Lord, to speak it as you would have it spoken. We pray this in your name. Amen. Chippy the parakeet. Never saw it coming. <laughs> One second he was peacefully perched in his cage singing... And the next he was sucked in and washed up and blown over. His problem began when his owner decided to clean his cage with a vacuum cleaner. Uh, she stuck the nozzle in to suck up all the seeds and the feathers in the bottom of the cage. And then the phone rang. <laughs> Instinctively she turned to pick it up, losing concentration as to where the end of the vacuum hose was pointing. <laughs> And she had barely said hello when she heard the sickening sound of Chippy being sucked in. And so she gasped, let the phone drop, and snapped off the vacuum. And with her heart in her mouth, she unzipped the bag. And there was Chippy, alive, but stunned and covered with heavy black dust. So she grabbed him and rushed him over to the bathtub and turned on the faucet full blast. <laughs> Held Chippy under a torrent of ice-cold water, power-washing him clean. <laughs> and then doing what any compassionate pet owner would do. She snatched up the hairdryer <laughs> and blasted the wet, shivering little bird with hot air. <laughs> ah, Chippy. Chippy doesn't sing very much anymore. <laughs> Life can be like that at times. Everything is going good, you're singing, you're happy, and then life takes a very unexpected turn for the worse. And bad things just start happening. Not just one, it seems to come in waves. One affliction after another. At times, very serious things. A health crisis, followed by a vehicle accident. And then an unexpected death of a loved one. And then a layoff notice from work. Affliction upon affliction upon affliction. Some of you perhaps can relate to that. Unlike the story about Chippy, uh, it, it isn't funny. These trials and afflictions are devastating. They try your soul. They stretch your faith, sometimes almost to the breaking point. And thoughts begin to creep into your mind. Why isn't God helping? Why isn't God putting a stop to this? Why isn't God keeping his promise to protect me or to protect my loved ones? Why is God just sitting there doing nothing while I go through this by myself? God has a lot of explaining to do. I've heard these kind of questions and comments and statements more than once over the years in dealing with people 
who are going through these times of deep, of deep affliction. Now, if we stop and think it through, biblically, we can see the flaws in those questions and in those statements. But when you're in the middle of the afflictions, those thoughts do come to your head. Because there is a seeming contradiction taking place. On the one hand, we have God's promises to bless us and to protect us and to never leave us or forsake us. And then on the other hand, we're in the middle of these afflictions where it feels like we are not being protected and God has forsaken us. So we feel like there's a contradiction. We are back to our summer mini-series through selected passages of Psalm 119. And uh, this morning we come to this passage that was just read, verses 65 to 72. And uh, I've been looking forward to the, putting this sermon together and preaching it for a few months now because it's a, one of my favorite sections, passages in the Bible. For those of you who have been here for the past few sermons in this series, we have noticed a bit of a recurring theme coming out in the last few passages we've looked at. And that is the theme of, of trials and afflictions that the psalmist was dealing with. He brings that out quite often. We've seen that in the last few passages we've looked at. And how he maintained a commitment to God and to God's word in spite of those trials and afflictions. So I suspect that the psalmist, as he writes what he does here in Psalm 119, in these verses that we're looking at, uh, he had some of these same struggles that I've just outlined. Times of affliction are there, and the word of God is there. And there can be a perceived contradiction. How do you put those two together? Well, the section we're looking at today gives us the answers. So let's look at these verses and see how God and affliction work together. As Christians, we need to understand how afflictions fit into God's dealings with us. And a study of the teachings that are presented here in these eight verses, verse 65 to 72, will give us that understanding, I hope. So three things I want to look at that came out to me. There might be more there, but three things that stood out to me, three teachings about how those go together. Number one, God's dealings with his people are good. God's dealings with his people are good. And I find it very interesting that the psalmist starts off verse 65 with the words, You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. You have dealt well with your servant. That's what most translations say. Notice the New International Version, NIV. If you have it, you'll see it says, it says do good to your servant. Uh, the original Hebrew is written in the perfect tense which usually denotes an action that has taken place and continues on taking place. So while the NIV is not wrong in its translation, the translations that say you have dealt well is likely probably a bit better. But anyway, all things taken into consideration, this is what the psalmist has come to see. God has dealt well with him. And that carries with us the expectation that God will continue to deal well with him. So, that first verse is kind of an ex a concluding statement. Uh, that's what the psalmist has concluded as he considered his life and his dealings with God. Or better, God's dealings with him. 
We've seen from previous sections of this psalm that there are times of trial and affliction. We've seen that all the way through. The psalmist had enemies that were out to get him. He was mocked. He was insulted for his unwavering belief in God's word. They're trying to get him. They're trying to trap him. And as we go on in these eight verses we're looking at today, you'll see it reiterated again. There were times of affliction. There were hard times. There were trials. There were burdens. That was true. He had lived through some of them. He's likely living through some of them as he's writing this. But when all was taken into consideration, he had to conclude God had dealt well with him. And would continue to deal well with him. God's dealings with him are good. And then at the, as the end of verse 65 says, God's dealings with him were according to his word. He had given himself to studying and learning God's word. That's what we've seen throughout this whole Psalm 119. That whole psalm is about that, God's word. And studying it and meditating on it and learning it and obeying it. And all along, right through these 176 verses of this psalm, that's what it's about, God's word. God had dealt well with him according to his word. He had given himself to studying and learning God's word and meditating on it until he understood what it meant. And he came to realize that all the things being, all things being considered, the good times, the bad times, God's dealing with him had been according to his word. God had not in any way dealt with him in a way that was contrary to anything that he had already said in his word. So that means then that there is a place in God's dealings with us for trials and afflictions. That's the next point we're going to get to in a bit, so I won't say anything more about that now. What we need to see here is that God's dealings with his people are good. God's actions are good. God's intent is good. How he is working to bring about the result he wants is good. If you have, are a child of his, if you are a Christian, if you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, repented of your sin, and placed your faith in Jesus, and accepting Him, if you're a child of His, if you're a Christian, God is your Father. And He's a good Father. And the way He deals with you is good, and for your good. That's what it says in Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. There will come times when you don't understand what he's doing or why he's letting happen what is happening. But he is working to conform you to the image of his son Jesus Christ. That's his goal. So he is working toward that end and his dealings with you are for that goal. And even the things that come into our lives that are not good, he can and will use these things for good. That good of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. How do God and afflictions work together? First, we need to realize that God's dealings with his children are good. And just place our faith in that. What God is doing to us and in us and in our lives is good. 
or at least is for our good. The trials and afflictions that come to are coming to us, they are, or they have a place in God's plan for us. God can and will use them for his purposes, which are good. It's all according to his word. That's what we have been told in his word is true. And we need to have faith in that. Believe that, friend. Have faith in that. God's dealings with his people are good. Have faith in that. Number two. Secondly. God allows times of affliction to cause us to value and learn and obey his word. God allows times of affliction to cause us to value, learn, and obey his word. Verse 66. The psalmist's prayer was that God would teach him good discernment and knowledge. He believed God's commandments. And as he studied them, he prayed that God would teach him to become more knowledgeable. And from that to become more discerning. He longed to discern how all this works together, among other things. And then he tells us how times of affliction had benefited him. Verse 67. Let's read it. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, I keep your word. Wow. That is profound. That's one of those verses that you need to read over and over and over many times. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, I keep your word. What a mouthful of truth. You know, easy times do not make good Christians. The old preacher F.B. Meyer once said, If God promised his servants an unbroken run of prosperity, there would be many counterfeit Christians. He went on, Don't be surprised at famine. It's permitted to root you deeper, just as a whirlwind makes the tree grapple deeper roots into the soil. Easy times don't drive you to God's word. Easy times do not keep you from yielding to temptation. Easy times don't keep you close to God. Usually it's the opposite. Usually when everything is going great and you're on easy street, things are flowing, things are coming easy, that's when you start to drift away. And you start forgetting about God and you start going astray. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Verse 68, he reiterates his conviction that God is good and does good. And he has that desire to learn more, that God would teach him more. Verse 69, here gives, he gives, I think, some insight into what the affliction was that he was facing. The arrogant have forged a lie against him. Some translations say the proud have forged a lie against me. And we get the sense that it is evil and wicked people who for some reason want to bring him down. Want to bring the psalmist down. And so they are making up and crafting lies about him. 
in an effort to bring him down. But, he says, in spite of that, he will obey God's word with all his heart. And then verse 70 is interesting. <laughs> My translation reads, their heart is covered with fat. But I delight in your law. Some translations translated to the effect that their hearts are unfeeling and callous and insensitive or something like that. Which is probably the sense of it. But the original Hebrew is very descriptive here. It means that their hearts are fat in the sense of being gross and disgusting and greasy. <laughs> That's what comes out in the original Hebrew. And that's how the psalmist describes these arrogant people that are forging a lie against him. They obviously didn't have any affliction. They're on easy streets. They're proud. They're wicked. They're callous. And they're out to bring him down and are making up lies to do it. But the psalmist says, in the face of that, he delights in God's law. Affliction had taught him that. Delight in God's law, not in lies. Verse 71, another very profound verse, like verse 67. Verse 71, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The afflictions that he experienced were good for him. Those afflictions drove him to God's word, and he learned God's word because of those afflictions and through those afflictions. And that was a good thing. So he concludes in verse 72 that the word of God is better than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Or gold and silver, I guess. <laughs> Being rich and being on easy street and away from God and his word is not a good thing. The law of the Lord is better than all of that. So how do God and afflictions work together? God allows times of affliction to, and uses them to cause us to value and learn and obey his word. There's nothing like afflictions to drive you to the word of God. There's nothing like afflictions to drive you to prayer. And in so doing, we learn the things we would have never learned otherwise. And we come to realize how valuable and precious God's word is. And that in obeying God's word, we are way better off than in not obeying it. That brings us to number three, and finally, knowing and obeying God's word will silence the lies of our world and our minds. Knowing and obeying God's will, God's word will silence the lies of the world in our minds. We've already briefly looked at it, but I'd like to go back to verse 69. Uh, the lies of the people who have no use for God and don't like people who are godly. That kind of caught my eye as I was reading it. Those wicked people had forged a lie against the psalmist arrogant and as I said that caught my eye it applies I think to the lies of the world around us that is against God and his word we as Christians are facing this more and more as time goes on 
The world around us is more and more becoming anti-God, anti-Bible, and against what the Bible teaches as right or wrong and wrong. They have chosen to believe a lie and to make up lies to support their position. And to craft lies against those who hold to the teachings of the Bible and to the truth of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. It's the lies of the world around us. So we too as Christians in this sense we're up against those who forge a lie against us. And sometimes their lies seem pretty convincing. And we start to doubt our own faith. The answer for that, friends, is in knowing and obeying God's word. That's what verse 69 tells us. That's what this whole eight verse section tells us. Learn what the Bible says. Study it. Meditate on it. And then do it. They have their lives. But we, as we observe and obey the teachings of God's word, it will silence the lies of the world around us. Now, it's probably not going to silence them. <laughs> They're going to keep spouting their lies. But it will silence the lies in the sense that we will be con convinced in our own minds as to what is true and what isn't. We will become stronger in our convictions because we will see that they're right. The lies are there. But we will silence those lies in our minds by knowing God's word and obeying God's word. Because we'll come to convince, be convinced that no, this is right. They're wrong. Those are lies. God's word is right. So therefore from this passage, we see the teachings on how afflictions fit into God's dealings with us. They are, number one, God's dealings with his people are good. He has told us so. His word reiterates that. So trust him. Have faith in this, that God's dealings with his people are good. Secondly, God allows times of trial and affliction to cause us to value and learn and obey God's word. And thus we become stronger men and women of God, more conformed to the image of his son Jesus Christ. Afflictions do that. They serve that purpose. And then knowing and obeying God's word will silence the lies of our world in our minds. Afflictions cause us to know and obey God's word and then that in turn will bring us to deeper conviction that the word of God is right and obeying it is the right thing to do. And the lies from the world around us are just that. They're lies. I don't know what kind of afflictions you're going through today, if any. I know some are facing times of trial and affliction. Maybe all of us are in some sense. So if you're facing any this morning, don't conclude from this that God has forsaken you or that God is not keeping his word to you. The truth is quite the opposite. God is very much right in the middle of the afflictions. 
allow God to use them to drive you to his word, to drive you to prayer, to drive you to conformity to Jesus Christ. Learn the word of God, get into it, study it, meditate on it, and then obey it. If you do, or maybe I should say as you do, you will come to realize with the psalmist that it is good that I am afflicted so that I can learn. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, I keep your word. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. A lady named Annie Johnson Flint wrote a poem, and I'd like to close with this poem. And then we'll have our time of silence. Here's the poem. Pressed out of measure and pressed to all length, pressed so intently it seems beyond strength, pressed in the body and pressed in the soul, pressed in the mind till the dark surges roll, pressure by foes and pressure by friends, pressure on pressure till life nearly ends. Pressed into loving the staff and the rod, pressed into knowing no helper, but God. Let's take our time of silence and just invite you to open your hearts and ask God, God, what are you, what are you saying to me here this morning? What's your word for me personally here? I'll just give you a few moments. Music team, please. Let's stand and sing together.
Thank you for your singing.